Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tool Show and Tell. My special guest this week is Aaron Dignan, and um, we have some really cool tools for us. So, Aaron, would you like to introduce yourself to our watchers and listeners? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Aaron Dignan. I'm uh, currently residing in Colorado, and I'm the founder of two businesses. One is called The Ready, which is a future of work consultancy that helps large firms like the CDC or the Fed or Boeing or J&J try to get rid of bureaucracy and work in a more human way. And the other one is called Murmur, which maybe we'll talk about later, but it's it's a tool that helps people make collaborative decisions without a meeting. And I consider myself a friend to misfit toys. <laughs> I like to I like to spend time with people that didn't fit anywhere else. That is a great job title. A friend to misfit toys. I love that. So um, <laughs> in that spirit, what, what's your first uh, tool that you like to share? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about toys. Um, the first one I want to talk about is is Jasper.ai, which okay. is a piece of software that sits on top of the OpenAI GPT-3 type framework, mm-hmm. and it helps you write. Mm-hmm. And I'm recently enamored with it. I've been aware of this stuff for a while. It's obviously the source of a lot of memes on the internet. People play with these AI systems and get them to say and create all kinds of funny stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's only this year that I felt like, oh, wait a second. I see this this technology getting good enough to start to replace human effort or augment human effort in, in actually meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. And I can see around the corner that for example, the book I'm writing right now might be the last book that I write by myself. Mm-hmm. It feels that way when I play with these tools and see how sophisticated right, right. they are. Um, designers on my team are talking about how they see their own career paths narrowing mm-hmm. and sh- and shape-shifting as a result of the fact that you can type in, I want to see a squirrel playing piano in the style of Rembrandt. And it's right. like, here you go. Um, so yeah, so it's been fun to play with. And I've been using it to um, author blog posts recently. So, so tell me a little bit of actually how you use it and how it helps you as an assistant. Um, maybe describe something you did recently with it. As yeah. yeah. How, 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 what point would you uh, employ it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been meaning to write a blog post about the difference between building a culture of permission versus a culture of agreements or a culture of freedom. And the I have a few very specific ideas about what it means to operate one way or the other. So I wrote like five or six sentences, basically just the big ideas into a little interface there. And then I told it some keywords for the tone of voice I wanted. So I said like witty and creative and uh, warm and friendly and simple. And, uh, and then I told it how, what length I was looking for and hit enter. And five seconds later, it created, created three different full length blog posts Mm -hmm. based on that idea. And then what I did from there is I looked at it and said, all right, well, how do, how would I change this if I were editing someone else's work? So I kind of went back in and made some modifications, but frankly, it's almost overwhelming how, how decent the starting point Mm -hmm. is. And I, and the fact that actually there were three different flavors and I was debating which one is better. Um, So I've been using it in that way where I kind of like figure out what's the, what would go on the front of the magazine and maybe in like the subtitle get that in there, let it do the hard work and then kind of fill in the gaps and and play with that. So it's been, yeah, that's been the way I've been using it. I've noticed that there's some formulaic structure to it. So it's not as 
innovative as a human in that way yet, but that's the editing. That's the, that's the polish that we have to put on it. Well, it's also, it could be particularly if it's presented as sort of a formatted thing where that's, that's the format of the writing is it? exactly. Yeah. HBR is in trouble for sure with, right, right, with right, this, right. uh, with this stuff. Cause it is like, <laughs> you could ingest the HBR magazine and then crap another one out right. in about two seconds. So in the last past two weeks, there's been a huge amount of people trying out to chat GT GPT. Yeah. And how does that differ? If any, from the, uh, is this called Jupiter? Is that right? Uh, Jasper. Jasper.ai. Jasper. So Jasper, Jasper. Yeah. Because Jasper both of them are running on the same open technology. Network. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the way you input the information. So if you have the the time and the thoughtfulness, you can go directly to OpenAI and to their chat thing that folks are playing with. And there you're either in a dialogue with it where it's responding to questions you ask, or you can actually do string-based prompts the way we used when we all learned how to google and you learned like how to write it in a way that google could give you your best results similarly here you can say like write me a blog post with three paragraphs that starts with an argument and ends with an idea and you kind of give it a very the more specific your description is the more positive the work product yeah jasper does a job of saying all right instead of letting you figure all that out and and deciding what to abstract and how to be specific they actually give you the fields for different use cases. So you say, I want a marketing paragraph. I want SEO keywords. I want you to simplify this. So having a template. Exactly. Yeah. It's essentially like an interface layer that sits on top of that same tech and helps a novice person get what they want more easily. Okay. And um, Jasper, is that something that's open to anybody right now? Is there a payment? What's the accessibility? Yeah, it it does cost money. Um, they have raised quite a bit of money, and they're and they're definitely uh, spending it. Um, I think it's something like sixty to eighty dollars a month for ten thousand words or something like that. And you can sign up on their site. If you want to spend less, you can go directly to the OpenAI platform and play with it. I think for free or for next to free, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you do. So yeah, depending on your level of expertise and playing with these things, you can choose the price point that's right for you. Right. And um, just a clarification, because it is something that's come up. Um, what's the copyright status on things? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Um, as it turns out, it, it seems like most platforms, not all, but most platforms are treating it like original work because there's been a lot of um, testing for whether it is plagiarism. Mm-hmm. So they've run analyses to decide if it ever crosses the bar on plagiarism. And it really doesn't. 99.99% of the time. And um, and the legal work that I've seen has suggested that the person who creates the prompt at that time, whatever the output is, is effectively theirs for that moment because it is kind of a one-to-one thing. So and at least OpenAI sure. is not claiming any kind of rights to it. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. That's Jasper. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll have a link there. Um, and... Again, that's also in contrast to the um, chat version of it. So this is more of a template version of it rather than a exactly chat version. Um, and you mentioned again the, the image stuff, which is like um, yeah, Dolly two as kind of based on the same thing, um, which I just have recently written about. So so that's these are really powerful tools, and I agree with your stance that I see these as assistants or partners yeah rather than as replacement oh no definitely not although i am 
pontificating more recently about what happens when you can tell it to write 10 blog posts about cooking spaghetti and then notice which ones get the most reads and shares and then rewrite using a genetic algorithm based on the ones that worked best. You could end up with these systems in learning loops without human intervention. That would be interesting. And then maybe down the road, other people's bots are reading the articles and then telling them what, I mean, there's just, there's some interesting futures ahead that I'm not necessarily crazy about, but are definitely uh, fascinating. Well, something that I try to indicate in the piece I wrote on these image generators is that as long as the audience for them are humans, there'll be humans Mm. involved because we, for the foreseeable future are just really, really good at understanding what other humans want or at least exactly more likely to deliver it. Um, Once the humans, once we're not the actual main audience, well then yes, (laughs) then all bets are off. But, um, uh, it's hard enough for humans to come up with something that, that a lot of other people think is really great. And I think it's only because we're human too. But I think if you don't have any humans involved, I think it's going to be, it's really not difficult to do something good, good enough, right. lowercase c, creative, okay, <laughs> um, does the thing. But to actually do something amazing, I think that, yeah. that's where you want to be or where we need um, you in the loop. Yeah, when so, they write Catcher in the Rye, we'll I'll stand <laughs> up and salute. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, what's the second tool of yours? Uh, I'm moving on to the travel space now for two reasons. Sure. One, I am back to traveling again in a big way after a three-year forced hiatus. And so I'm very excited about that. I know we're kindred spirits in that. Um, and my first thing that I brought today for from the travel world is called Cadence Capsules. You're holding up, uh, like it looks like little old-fashioned film canisters in a hexagonal shape. Yeah, exactly. And they're magnetic, a, so they, they come magnetic. apart and they can be reconfigured okay. into any shape that you want. Reason being, you might need to tuck them into a travel pouch or a backpack okay. or what have you. And each one uh, contains whatever it is that you... Uh, want to take on the road. So you used to do this with the little dinky bottles you'd buy at Target or you'd get the travel-sized deodorant or whatever. Now you can order as many of these as you want. They screw off and they have a really sophisticated screw system. I know this is a silly thing to nerd out about, but this is the show if ever there was one. Um, <laughs> you you can't screw it on where it doesn't line up. Like wherever you start, it's going to eventually oh. be exactly perfect, perfectly tight, airtight. And uh, inside is whatever you want. This is my hair gel. Okay. So that's that. It's just the right size for a few days on the road. And then the other thing I love is they have these magnetic toppers here, which is a little kind of coin-sized topper. And it says so this the, is, uh, um, whatever it is. Yeah, all right. So you put a, you can put a label on it yourself. Yeah. So I can change this from hair gel to vitamins with the right. flick of a magnet. And you can order as many of these as you like with as many different labels on them as you like. So you can see here, I have like, this one is a pill, right. uh, this one is moisturizer, vitamins, et cetera. Uh-huh. So I'm really loving these because I've always found it hard to, to pack toiletries where I can take the stuff I really like and have it be airtight and not explode or get everywhere or what have you. Have small and, amounts. Yeah. And these are just, I mean, you, you finish up in the hotel and you swipe your arm and they all click together and you throw <laughs> them in the bag and you're gone. <laughs> okay. And, and they're called what? They're called cadence capsules. So the, the company's the called C? cadence. 
Yeah, with a C. And, and um, yeah. the, the, the ones that you're showing, these they're like kind of small pill bottles or what I used to think of as film canisters. Yeah. You know, plastic. But they're in kind of a gray-green color. Do they come in other colors? They come in two or three colors, I believe. I think there's a gray and like a tan. Okay. And then there might even be a black, but the, but not many. Um, I think there might, yeah, there might be a pink. There's uh-huh. a few colors, enough, enough for you to find your, to find your flavor. And you can't quite tell, obviously on Zoom, but they have a weight to them. They feel like they, there might even be a little metal inside. You know, they have some heft from okay. the magnets. And so they feel like you could hit this with a hammer. It wouldn't crack. I mean, it is. It is very, very secure. Okay. So that's <laughs> great. Cadence capsules, cadence. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I, I would imagine you could even extend that into your stationary bathroom too, right? I mean, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so pretty. Yeah. Um, and so simple. It's kind of like anything that you need a little bit of right. somewhere. I, I mean, you could pack salt and pepper this way, I suppose, for the road. <laughs> if you if you had your, uh, your, you know, Himalayan pink salt you can't right. live without. <laughs> or your chocolates. Yeah. Uh, well, this is great. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah. And uh, what would be your third pick? That's so funny. I feel like I'm on um, like late night television. Oh, yeah. Uh, doing the inf- infomercials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wait, there's more. And wait, there's more. Yeah. If you order now, uh, you get this next product. So this is also a travel item, but this is a backpack. And it's from a company based in the West Coast called Kill Spencer, which is the weirdest named company I've ever come across. Kill Spencer, one word. Who's who's Spencer? Exactly. <laughs> and why do we want to kill him? And why is it one word? So, um, but they do handmade leather goods, and the level of quality and thoughtfulness and materials is second to none. Mm. Um, so this is the backpack here. You can see the back is has this waffling uh this is very thick and and cushy the leather bands the uh-huh. you know the logo there and then the front looks like this this is like a a suede and then this is a, a more of a glossy it's leather kind of a day pack ish size a large day package size yeah and they have a few different models they have um they do a variety of different leather goods so they have i don't know 10 or 11 different backpacks and then you know weekend and, bags and stuff and, like and this is real leather oh it is Super real, super thick. The the gauge on the zippers is huge. Everything oh. is sort of bigger than life. And um, inside there's a pouch for the laptop and uh-huh. then uh, some little, you know, control areas and, and whatnot. Not a lot. It's not overdone, but there's just enough. And then you can see the, the quality of the real leather here where it's like it has this, uh, you know, seam that's been done inside with a gross grain ribbon on it and little secret pocket up here for the phone and all that. So uh-huh. that's, that's the kill Spencer backpack. So and sort I, of like, um, it's almost like luggage in that sense of leather. Yeah. Uh, rather than a kind of lightweight backpacking, um, ripstop nylon stuff. So, yeah. It's not light. It has some heft to it. And it feels like the things I like about it are number one, I've had it for seven years and it looks brand new. Like it's just, you can't beat it up. You can't ruin it. And the second thing I like about it is that it kind of dresses up or down. Mm-hmm. So I can take it into a boardroom at a Fortune 100 and not feel completely out of place. And I can take it to, a, you know, a, a short hike and it's OK. Right. It, it really knows how to put on different faces for wherever it's going. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's I don't know that I'll ever buy another backpack again. Not not that I'll never buy another brand. I don't think I'll ever buy another backpack, period. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be amazing. And, and 
uh, they might be the kind of company that would probably even repair things if you needed it. Yeah, it does seem that way. Because I will say, of all the things I brought today, it's the most expensive. Right. Um, so you you get what you pay for in this case. And, and, how, and how expensive is it? I think it was six hundred dollars. Uh huh. Okay. So it's not it's not your uh, middle schooler's backpack. Right. But you've already gotten seven years out of it. So that's. Oh yeah. On a on a dollar per day basis, it's one of the <laughs> cheapest things I own. <laughs> hundred dollars a year you can subscribe to it exactly yeah honestly i would if they did a plan where they'd cycle out a new one every you know five years i'd be first in line um kill spencer and um is this something that's kind of customized when you give them either dimensions or things that you need or is it kind of um they just have a few models and that's it I guess it's a bit of a hybrid that most of their stuff is made to order, but mm. they don't take a lot of notes. So it's kind of like, these are the options. If you want this thing, we'll make it for you by hand that week kind of thing. Right. So it's made, it's made as you need it, but it, um, but I haven't known them to be, you know, taking, taking too many notes. They probably would do a small adjustment or, or I mean, it's not like uh, Tim, Tim Buck two. Yeah kind of one in San Francisco where you have all these colors and different things and you kind of mix and match uh, your, your, your thing and they make it for you. But it's, this is less of that kind of customizable thing. No, it's definitely more like pick, pick your thing and we'll make one for you because right. there aren't that many and it's all right. done with a lot of care. It's like going to a violin maestro or something or, back in the old going to a tailor. It's like getting yeah, a yeah, exactly. A tailor where they're like, this is our gray suit, but we'll make it yeah. for you. Okay. Um, Kill Spencer. Okay. Well, thanks. That's really great. Um, yeah. so your fourth tool then. My fourth and final tool is Sansama, which I'm not sure is. if you're familiar with. Um, no. yeah, it's a, it is a task management tool and okay. task management I know tools. Asana. Right. Right. Sansama different. Okay. Feels spiritually aligned might, might be, uh, part of the same tradition, but it's not, okay. yeah, it's not the same people. It's, um, it's founded by a different person and is is doing a totally different thing. Asana feels much more focused on uh, how I manage tasks with others. Feels very collaborative in its focus, very like organizational in its focus. Uh -huh. Sansama is intensely personal. Okay, um, it is. You can collaborate in it, but mm -hmm. like where it shines is getting your s together. Okay, um, and I have had a wrestling match with task management tools my entire career. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's the hardest category to get right. You always see tools succeed and then disappear it, there. You know, it's just constantly a moving target. Why do they disappear? I think because ultimately people, different people like to manage their productivity differently. Mm -hmm. And so it's impossible to become the Google of the category or the Apple of the category. And so you end up with Todoist and Behance action method and Asana and the, you know, you just keep getting, different flavors wonderless they exist then they get bought by microsoft then they get shut down and then it's 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 mm -hmm. the rainforest recycling program of software um so so it's always been hard to find a winner and one of the things that has always bothered me is that you can write down as many tasks as you want but there are only a certain number of hours in the day so a lot of tools are good at you can capture, 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 capture. But then when it comes time to prioritize, it's on you and there's no real limitation. So you end up saying, I'm going to do these five things today and you do one. And then the next day you have to start over and you never really catch yourself. You know, you're kind of chasing your tail. 
And what I've loved about Sansama is two things. Number one, it has a ritual built in, which is like a morning and afternoon reflection so that you start the day in Sansama with like, what am I going to do today? And you end the day with what did I do? And so there's a bit of a learning loop built into it. But the real killer feature and the thing that I'm so psyched about is that it integrates with your calendar. So when you open the interface to look, you see all the tasks that you have on a given day and the calendars over here, and you can just drag the things that you want to do into your calendar from Mm. the list. And the list allows you to indicate how long they are when you enter them. Mm -hmm. So I could say like, I want to do this meeting with Kevin. I need to prep for it 30 minutes. And then I have that, I see it pop up today and then I drag it over to the spot that I have for it. So it's like using the limitation of the calendar to say, if there's no more room on the calendar, there's no more room for today, you know, and or for the week or whatever it might be. And then the other thing I love about it, and then I'll shut up because I'm very excited about this one, is if you have 10 things on the list for today in in Sansama and you do seven of them and then you don't get to the other three, it automatically rolls them over to the next day for the next morning's review. So you don't have to work too hard to keep track of what's going on. And best of all, you get to set a day limit on how many rollovers it'll accept before it puts it in an archive for you and says, you're probably not going to do this thing. So I have an archive full of things that just sat there for 14 days of rollover and then just moved themselves gently into the drawer. They're still there if I ever need them. And my like, you know, insecurity about never getting them done is solved by that. They're away, they're (laughs) safe, but they're not real. So that's my Sansama tool. My okay, Sansama. So, so it sounds fantastic. And it's so uh, is it something that runs in the browser or is it yes. an app? So uh, there's a mobile app that is phenomenal and there's a browser version. And okay. so you kind of you kind of pick your own entry point wherever you like to work. And you say it integrates with the calendar, meaning like Google Calendar or the Apple Calendar or what? Uh, I haven't tried other systems, but I believe it's pretty 360. Like I've seen that you can integrate it with Slack. You can integrate it with Notion. You can integrate it with, I think, pretty much anything you like. Including whatever calendar you want. For sure. Yeah. Huh. Um, And so what's the pricing model? I want to say it's $19 a month, something Uh like that. It's not outrageous. It's in the zone for, for personal productivity stuff. Um, when I first got it, I was like, you know, is this going to be worth it? I don't know. Yeah. And then once I really found my footing with it, I was like, oh, man, I would. If it makes me feel very calm to know that it's there. So I'd probably pay more. Uh-huh. Hopefully they don't listen to the show. Raise and, the prices. Um, so so you. Like, do you mostly use it on your phone or mostly use it on your desktop? I I do I do task entry on my phone when something comes up in conversation or on the go, but I do the planning and the prioritization right. and the management of everything on the desktop. And uh, when you when you're inputting it again, it's it's a browser based or is it a, an app on the phone? Uh, I think it's all three. So I have the app version here. Um, I don't know if you show things on the show, but I have the app version here, and then there's also a browser access, and then also the mobile app. So. For me, I use the app version and occasionally I'll use the uh, browser version if I am on someone else's machine or away right. from it or something like that. So, but, so if you have an idea, I, I want to do it. You'll call up the app on your phone and then put in the punch, just punch in like the few words that I need. And then later I'll go in and maybe put in how much time it's going to take. The right. other thing that's kind of nice is it lets you, you know how there are channels in Slack. 
Right. Well, you get to create channels here as well so that I have one for my murmur business, one for the ready, one for personal, mm-hmm. one for my collaboration with another person. And so when I enter the task, I also tag it. And that way I can change my view, like show me all the murmur work, show me all the ready work, show me all the book work. And it it keeps things organized and it's even color coded that way. So I can see at a glance, like today is kind of a murmur heavy day. But Um, when you're looking at your calendar, uh, you you have a unified calendar, right? Yeah, unified calendar across everything. But I color code my calendar events as well. Right. And to match. And so I actually have the same hex code colors mm-hmm. in my calendar events as in my Sunsama. Right. And so I can also see the kind of project scope of the day by just glancing at the colors of the calendar. And when I drag things over from Sunsama, they match that color profile. Right, right. Which that's, is nice. That's really fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to try that one because I like <laughs> the idea of um, of being able to drag things over into your calendar for a slot to make sure that they get done. That's really cool. It's the ultimate equalizer, right? Everybody has dreams until the calendar hits them in the face. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So, so Aaron, tell us about your current passions or a project that you'd like to share. Yeah. The, the thing that I'm spending most of my waking minutes on these days is murmur, which is one of the two companies I mentioned earlier we're, we're building a piece of software that lets teams make collaborative decisions without a meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because wildly decisions are, in my view, one of the most, if not the most important things we do at work and in society. And yet we have almost no tooling for it. It's like the last uncharted domain where we have tools for everything, including writing blog posts for us, Mm -hmm. but we have no place to decide together. Um, And as a result, we end up deciding in Google Docs or in Slack or in conversation. And that's not really a great way to do that. There's a problem with the permanence of that record, how we reflect on things, where, how we find what we decided, the method we use to make decisions is unclear. So we've been playing in that space now for a couple of years. And, um, is anything available for people to try at this point? Well, it's it's an auspicious question timing wise because we just went into open beta on December first, and it's now the ninth when we're recording. So um, we're just now open doors, and and anybody can come in and have a go. So if somebody were to 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 come and investigate or check it out, um, what should they expect to to encounter? Yeah. So the basic idea is it's all based on proposals and a a method of making decisions that's based on consent. So when you land, it will ask you if you have things that you want to change about the way you're working together, the way you're collaborating. I use it in my own family with my wife to make decisions about the family and our values and our principles and what we do with our time and money. Um, So you'll make a proposal. You'll write some short proposal like, I think we should try four-day work weeks this summer. And you can make that proposal as short or as long as you like with as much or as little evidence as you like. And then you will invite other people to the decision as either deciders, advisors, or observers. So deciders get to participate all the way through to the end. Mm -hmm. Advisors get to ask questions and make suggestions, but they don't actually get a a final vote. And observers just get to watch the drama unfold. And then uh, the people that are along for the ride will go through these three rounds of the decision process questions. They'll ask questions and then the proposer will answer them. Then they'll make suggestions and the proposer will integrate 
whatever suggestions they think make mm-hmm. it better, make it safer, make it smarter. And then they'll be asked if they object or consent. And the question there is, is it safe to try? Is it good enough for now, safe enough mm-hmm. to try? Mm-hmm. And if people say yes, it goes live. And every agreement in Murmur has an expiration date. So there's a point where we reflect on, should this continue if it's an ongoing policy or process? Or should did we get it right if it was a one-time decision? How did mm-hmm. we do? Um, mm-hmm. So it built, builds in a little bit of reflection. And that's really it. That's the that's the big idea. It's just a, a simple way to make decisions without being stuck in a room with uh, neon right. lights and a way to reflect on them and keep them living over time rather than getting stuck in the mud. And presumably all those arguments you know, on either side um, or any sides would, would be kept in some archive or in a log or, or in some way so people could go back and revisit them. Yeah, we have uh, we have a permanent record of every question, suggestion, objection around every decision for right. every re you know round that it's been iterated. Um, and in the future, we're excited to do some things with that data, right. like tell you about your team health and how inclusive it is and who proposes more and who asks more. And there's a lot of fun analytical possibilities down the road that may help people understand themselves better. Right. Or just even to understand the process better. Yeah, exactly. Like what happened? How did we get here? (laughs) Yeah. We have this idea, you know, remember time machine for the Mac where you could kind of like, It, we're, we have I, still this, ha- I still have. What do you mean? Yeah. No past tense. I have it right now. You're living it. Yeah. We sort of are thinking about that in terms of decisions. Like imagine if you're a company that's 10 years old and you've gone through five iterations of a hiring process. And what if you could just press play and kind of see the whole journey? Mm-hmm. Um, how did we go from A to B and wh- and why and what happened and mm-hmm. what were the different versions along the way? And then yeah. maybe if you're a company at one of those stages, you could just borrow and fork that. Right. From that from that moment, we have this thing along now called the long bets, which we mm. uh, try to have people make long term bets more right. than two years, up to thousands of years. <laughs> and um, part of what we try to do is um, they're very very specific, so they can be adjudicated. In other words, someone can decide whether you win or lose. Right. But we emphasize trying to have people. Um, write down in as much detail as they can the logic for why mm. they believe something will happen or not happen. And the idea is that over time, maybe we could, the, the logics that work better mm-hmm. or the kind of thinking that worked better would be rewarded in some way. Oh, cool. And so I like the idea of keeping track of like these arguments on decisions because ones where you might have some kind of way of people deciding that was a good decision or not. Mm-hmm. And then you could kind of like penalize or reward the logic that led to those decisions that people liked the most. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it may reveal certain biases that keep getting in your way, right? I keep making the wrong decision in this area because of this issue. Right. I keep hiring people I like instead of people that are good for the job kind of thing. Right. Or, yeah, yeah, or, or this. Yeah, exactly. So, or, um, paying attention to, um, uh, how things are going to play out in five years versus uh, next month. Yep. Makes some difference in this way. Yeah. Right? Weak signals, strong signals. Right. Like what are the, yeah. What's going into it. So, That's so, very yeah. fun. so in a certain sense, the more, the more effort you can put into having people articulate why they're trying to decide something that could have long-term value. Well, and in some ways that's the challenge for us is that 
a lot of the things that make a good decision or make a good decision practice over time, like you're talking about, are are a little bit hard for human nature because we tend not to compromise today to make tomorrow better. We tend not to think long term. We tend, right, I mean, right. you know this better than anybody. So like getting a user to take the extra time right. is hard at first. And we've been playing with ways to nudge and, and encourage right. Right sizing these things. But I think actually, as I think about it, for me, the, the biggest challenge is that people don't know how they make decisions or why they're making decisions. Not even a little bit. Not even yes. a little bit. And that's the hardest thing is just surfacing those because people yes. don't know. They they actually aren't really aware of that internal process in which they've arrived at something. And so if you can at all make that more visible or surface that, that's, that alone is a huge thing. Yeah, I kept flipping through Kahneman's book looking for type three thinking, which is just <laughs> total chaos. Couldn't find it. I make stuff up. That's number four. That's the fourth. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> uh, well, this has really been great. Um, so, Murmur, um, where do people find? Um, is it murmur.com? What it is, what? it is. We we sprung for the full size on that one. So okay. it's murmur.com, six letters, English word. Uh-huh. That's where they can find it. Okay. That sounds fantastic. Um well thank you again for those great tool picks. I really appreciate it. Um yeah, likewise. This is awesome. And um uh, I wish you best success in in Murmur. I appreciate thank it. Always fun to to catch up. We're glad that you enjoyed this issue of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Just want to remind you that we have some other coolish material on our YouTube channel here. Please subscribe, comment, like. In addition, um, this Cool Tools Show and Tell is also available in an Audible podcast form. You can subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to other podcasts if you just wanted to listen. And if you're listening, know that there is a visual version of this on our YouTube channel where we're actually showing the tools and um, there's a little bit more of a visual component there. In addition, the same folks that put us, uh, the Cool Tools website out, we also put out a free newsletter every week. It's very, very short. It's one page or less. We recommend six very brief items um, that are very succinct, easy to read. You can deal with it in a couple minutes. And every week we bring to you the six cool things that we have uncovered and want to share. And it's called Recommendo with one M, recommendo.com. You'll be able to find it there. It's free. Join 50,000 plus other subscribers every Sunday morning. You'll get it in your email box. And it's actually one of the most popular things that we produce. But we do produce other newsletters as well. One of them is called What's in Your Bag. We have one that goes out to um, tools and tips for your workshop. So you can get those at our website, um, and they are also free. And finally, um, I want to mention the fact that um, we do have a Patreon, and um, this uh, podcast and this vidcast are supported by Patreon supporters. The minimum is a dollar a month. And for that, you get um, an email to ask us anything. We'll respond and um, answer your question if we're able to. There are other higher levels. You can all see those at our Patreon page. And all those links are below right here. So thank you again for being a fan. And um, we'll keep producing stuff.
if you enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you all to this week's patrons who include Jay Walker, Nikolai Teleguine, Charles Cowens, David Sue, Jack Unverfirth, Michael, Lawrence Lazare, David Abel, Edward Grobe, and Juiced Dozberg. Thank you all.